Section 7 of Report of the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, the Warren Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. Report of the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, the Warren Commission Report, by the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy. Chapter 3. The Shots from the Texas School Book Depository, Part 1. In this chapter, the Commission analyzes the evidence and sets forth its conclusions concerning the source, effect, number, and timing of the shots that killed President Kennedy and wounded Governor Connolly. In that connection, the Commission has evaluated 1. The testimony of eyewitnesses present at the scene of the assassination. 2. The damage to the President's limousine. 3 the examination by qualified experts of the rifle and cartridge cases found on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository and the bullet fragments found in the President's limousine and at Parkland Hospital. 4. The wounds suffered by President Kennedy and Governor Connolly. 5. Wound ballistic tests. 6. The examination by qualified experts of the clothing worn by President Kennedy and Governor Connolly. And 7 motion picture films and still photographs taken at the time of the assassination. The Witnesses As reflected in the previous chapter, passengers in the first few cars of the motorcade had the impression that the shots came from the rear and from the right, the general direction of the Texas School Book Depository Building, although none of these passengers saw anyone fire the shots. Some spectators at Houston and Elm Streets, however, did see a rifle being fired in the direction of the President's car, from the easternmost window of the sixth floor on the south side of the building. Other witnesses saw a rifle in this window immediately after the assassination. Three employees of the depository, observing the parade from the fifth floor, heard the shots fired from the floor immediately above them. No credible evidence suggests that the shots were fired from the railroad bridge over the triple underpass, the nearby railroad yards, or any place other than the Texas School Book Depository Building. Near the Depository Eyewitnesses testified that they saw a man fire a weapon from the sixth-floor window. Howard L. Brennan, a 45-year-old steamfitter, watched the motorcade from a concrete retaining wall at the southwest corner of Elm and Houston, where he had a clear view of the south side of the Depository Building. He was approximately 107 feet from the Depository entrance, and 120 feet from the southeast corner of the sixth floor. Brennan's presence and vantage point are corroborated by a motion picture of the motorcade taken by amateur photographer Abraham Zepruder, which shows Brennan wearing gray khaki work clothes and a gray work helmet seated on the retaining wall. Brennan later identified himself in the Zepruder movie, while waiting about seven minutes for the president to arrive, he observed the crowd on the street and the people at the windows of the depository building. He noticed a man at the southeast corner window of the sixth floor and observed him leave the window a couple of times. Brennan watched the president's car as it turned the corner at Houston and Elm and moved down the incline toward the triple underpass. Soon after the president's car passed, he heard an explosion like the backfire of a motorcycle. Brennan recalled, Well, then something, just right after this explosion, made me think that it was a firecracker being thrown from the Texas bookstore 
and I glanced up, and this man that I saw previous was aiming for his last shot. Well, as it appeared to me he was standing up, and resting against the left window-sill, with gun shouldered to his right shoulder, holding the gun with his left hand, and taking positive aim, and fired his last shot. As I calculate a couple of seconds, he drew the gun back from the window as though he was drawing it back to his side, and maybe paused for another second, as though to assure himself that he hit his mark, and then he disappeared. Brennan stated that he saw seventy to eighty percent of the gun when it was fired, and the body of the man from the waist up. The rifle was aimed southwesterly down Elm Street toward the underpass. Brennan saw the man fire one shot, and he remembered hearing a total of only two shots. When questioned about the number of shots, Brennan testified, I don't know what made me think that there was firecrackers thrown out of the bookstore, unless I did hear the second shot, because I positively thought the first shot was a backfire, and subconsciously I must have heard a second shot, but I do not recall it. I could not swear to it. Brennan quickly reported his observations to police officers. Brennan's description of the man he saw is discussed in the next chapter. Amos Lee Ewens, a 15-year-old ninth-grade student, stated that he was facing the depository as the motorcade turned the corner at Elm and Houston. He recalled, Then I was standing here, and as the motorcade turned the corner, I was facing, looking dead at the building, and so I seen this pipe thing sticking out of the window. I wasn't paying too much attention to it. Then when the first shot was fired, I started looking around, thinking it was a backfire. Everybody else started looking around. Then I looked up at the window, and he shot again. After witnessing the first shots, Ewens hid behind a fountain bench and saw the man shoot again from the window in the southeast corner of the depository sixth floor. According to Ewens, the man had one hand on the barrel and the other on the trigger. Ewens believed that there were four shots. Immediately after the assassination, he reported his observations to Sergeant D.V. Harkness of the Dallas Police Department and also to James Underwood of Station KRLD-TV of Dallas. Sergeant Harkness testified that Ewens told him that the shots came from the last window of the floor under the ledge on the side of the building they were facing. Based on Ewens' statements, Harkness radioed to headquarters at 2.36 p.m. that, I have a witness that says it came from the fifth floor of the Texas Book Depository Store. Ewens accurately described the sixth floor as the floor under the ledge. Harkness testified that the error in the radio message was due to his own hasty count of the floors. Other witnesses saw a rifle in the window after the shots were fired. Robert H. Jackson, staff photographer, Dallas Times-Herald, was in a press car in the presidential motorcade, eight or nine cars from the front. On Houston Street, about halfway between Maine and Elm, Jackson heard the first shot. As someone in the car commented that it sounded like a firecracker, Jackson heard two more shots. He testified, Then we realized, or we thought that it was gunfire, and then we could not at that point see the president's car. We were still moving slowly, and after the third shot, the second two shots seemed much closer together than the first shot, than they were to the first shot. Then after the last shot, I guess all of us were just looking around, and I just looked straight up ahead of me, which would have been looking at the school book depository, and I noticed two Negro men in a window straining to see directly above them, and my eyes followed right on up to the window above them, and I saw the rifle, or what looked like a rifle, 
approximately half of the weapon, I guess, I saw, and just as I looked at it, it was drawn fairly slowly back into the building, and I saw no one in the window with it. I didn't even see a form in the window. In the car with Jackson were James Underwood, television station KRLD-TV, Thomas Dillard, chief photographer, Dallas Morning News, Malcolm O. Couch, and James Darnell, television newsreel cameraman. Dillard, Underwood, and the driver were in the front seat. Couch and Darnell were sitting on top of the back seat of the convertible with Jackson. Dillard, Couch, and Underwood confirmed that Jackson spontaneously exclaimed that he saw a rifle in the window. According to Dillard, at the time the shots were fired, he and his fellow passengers had an absolutely perfect view of the school depository from our position in the open car. Dillard immediately took two pictures of the building, one of the east two-thirds of the south side and the other of the southeast corner, particularly the fifth and sixth floor windows. These pictures show three Negro men in windows on the fifth floor and the partially open window on the sixth floor directly above them. Couch also saw the rifle in the window and testified. After the third shot, Bob Jackson, who was, as I recall, on my right, yelled something like, Look up in the window, there's the rifle, and I remember glancing up to a window on the far right, which at the time impressed me as the sixth or seventh floor, and seeing about a foot of a rifle being, the barrel brought into the window. Couch testified that he saw people standing in other windows on the third or fourth floor in the middle of the south side, one of them being a negro in a white t-shirt, leaning out to look up at the windows above him. Mayor and Mrs. Earl Cabell rode in the motorcade immediately behind the presidential follow-up car. Mrs. Cabell was seated in the back seat behind the driver and was facing U.S. Representative Ray Roberts on her right as the car made the turn at Elm and Houston. In this position, Mrs. Cabell was actually facing the seven-story depository when the first shot rang out. She jerked her head up immediately and saw a projection in the first group of windows on a floor which she described both as the sixth floor and the top floor. According to Mrs. Cabell, the object was rather long-looking, but she was unable to determine whether it was a mechanical object or a person's arm. She turned away from the window to tell her husband that the noise was a shot, and, just as I got the words out, the second two shots rang out. Mrs. Cabell did not look at the sixth-floor window when the second and third shots were fired. James N. Crawford and Mary Ann Mitchell, two deputy district clerks for Dallas County, watched the motorcade at the southeast corner of Elm and Houston. After the president's car turned the corner, Crawford heard a loud report, which he thought was backfire, coming from the direction of the triple underpass. He heard a second shot seconds later, followed quickly by a third. At the third shot, he looked up and saw a movement in the far east corner of the sixth floor of the depository the only open window on that floor. He told Miss Mitchell that if those were shots, they came from that window. When asked to describe the movement more exactly, he said, I would say that it was a profile, somewhat from the waist up, but it was a very quick movement and rather indistinct, and it was very light-colored. When I saw it, I automatically in my mind came to the conclusion that it was a person having moved out of the window." He could not state whether the person was a man or woman. Miss Mitchell confirmed that after the third shot, Crawford told her, those shots came from that building. She saw Crawford pointing at a window, but was not sure at which window he was pointing. On the fifth floor, 
Three depository employees shown in the picture taken by Dillard were on the fifth floor of the building when the shots were fired. James Jarman, Jr., age 34, a wrapper in the shipping department. Bonnie Ray Williams, age 20, a warehouseman temporarily assigned to lay a plywood floor on the sixth floor. And Harold Norman, age 26, an order filler. Norman and Jarman decided to watch the parade during the lunch hour from the fifth floor windows. From the ground floor, they took the west elevator, which operates with push-button controls, to the fifth floor. Meanwhile, Williams had gone up to the sixth floor where he had been working and ate his lunch on the south side of that floor. Since he saw no one around when he finished his lunch, he started down on the east elevator, looking for company. He left behind his paper lunch sack, chicken bones, and an empty pop bottle. Williams went down to the fifth floor, where he joined Norman and Jarman at approximately 12.20 p.m. Harold Norman was in the fifth floor window in the southeast corner, directly under the window where witnesses saw the rifle. He could see light through the ceiling cracks between the fifth and sixth floors. As the motorcade went by, Norman thought that the president was saluting with his right arm. And I can't remember what the exact time was, but I know I heard a shot. And then after I heard the shot, well, it seems as though the president, you know, slumped or something. And then another shot, and I believe Jarman or someone told me, he said, I believe someone is shooting at the president. And I think I made a statement, it is someone shooting at the president, and I can't believe it came from up above us. Well, I couldn't see at all during the time, but I know I heard a third shot fired, and I could also hear something sounding like the shell hulls, hitting the first floor and the ejecting of the rifle. Williams said that he really did not pay any attention to the first shot because he did not know what was happening. The second shot, it sounded like it was right in the building, the second and third shot, and it sounded, it even shook the building, the side we were on, cement fell on my head. Question. You say cement fell on your head. Answer. Cement, gravel, dirt or something from the old building because it shook the windows and everything. Harold was sitting next to me, and he said it came from right over our head. Williams testified, Norman said, I can even hear the shell being ejected from the gun hitting the floor. When Jarman heard the first sound, he thought that it was either a backfire or an officer giving a salute to the president, and that at that time I didn't, you know, think too much about it. Well, after the third shot was fired, I think I got up, and run over to Harold Newman and Bonnie Ray Williams and told them, I said, I told them that it wasn't a backfire or anything, that somebody was shooting at the president. Jarman testified that Norman said that he thought the shots had come from above us, and I noticed that Bonnie Ray had a few debris in his head. It was a sort of white stuff or something. Jarman stated that Norman said that he was sure that the shot came from inside the building because he had been used to guns and all that, and he said it didn't sound like it was too far off anyway. The three men ran to the west side of the building where they could look toward the triple underpass to see what had happened to the motorcade. After the men had gone to the window on the west side of the building, Jarman got to thinking about all the debris on Bonnie Ray's head and said, that shot probably did come from upstairs, up over us. He testified that Norman said, I know it did because I could hear the action of the bolt and I could hear the cartridges drop to the floor. After pausing for a few minutes, the three men ran downstairs. Norman and Jarman ran out of the front entrance of the building, where they saw Brennan, the construction worker who had seen the man in the window firing the gun, 
talking to a police officer, and they then reported their own experience. On March 20, 1964, preceding their appearance before the Commission, these witnesses were interviewed in Dallas. At that time, members of the Commission's legal staff conducted an experiment. Norman, Williams, and Jarman placed themselves at the windows of the fifth floor as they had been on November 22nd. A Secret Service agent operated the bolt of a rifle directly above them at the southeast corner window of the sixth floor. At the same time, three cartridge shells were dropped to the floor at intervals of about three seconds. According to Norman, the noise outside was less on the day of the assassination than on the day of the test. He testified, Well, I heard the same sound, the sound similar. I heard three-something that he dropped on the floor, and then I could hear the rifle or whatever he had up there. The experiment with the shells and rifle was repeated for members of the commission on May 9, 1964, on June 7, 1964, and again on September 6, 1964. All seven of the commissioners clearly heard the shells drop to the floor. End of section 7